Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey. And especially we um, talk to women who are rebuilding their lives after abusive marriages. I took about 10 weeks and um, just did some speaking straight from my heart. But today we are going to kick off with interviews again. And I am so honored and excited to introduce to you Andrew Bauman, the founder and director of the Christian Counseling Center for Sexual Health and Trauma. He is a licensed mental health counselor with a Master of Arts in Counseling psychology from the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. He is the author of five books. So welcome to Held and Healed, Andrew. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to to be here. I am so excited. I read your latest book uh, like a week ago and reached out and here we are. I'm just floored that you even had availability. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your, just share your story, whatever you're comfortable doing, and then we're going to dig into this, this book of yours. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, I come, I come to this work, maybe a little different than most. I consider myself a previous abusive man. Um, mm. I spent 13 years addicted to pornography and objectifying women and seducing women and getting my needs met without much consideration for them. And so that's how I began to, to come into this work. And then about 20 years ago, ending up in the psychiatric ward, basically losing, losing everything, never dealing with my woundedness, never dealing with my, my pains of my own childhood trauma and and really, um, you know, our wounds will always catch up with us. Mm. And so uh, eventually beginning to self-reflect deeply and, beginning to enter into my crucifixion so I could begin to taste resurrection. And um, thankfully, um, God saved me. And um, thankfully, I am a different man than I was. Well, it helps my heart. Um, (laughs) We need to hear stories of men who do the hard work and face the reality and, and do change. Now, how often would you say that happens? Um, it's rare. It's mm-hmm. really rare. And it really just depends on how, uh, how deeply you, you're willing to bleed and you're willing to suffer. You know, a lot of change is surface level. A lot of change, in, in a sense, you can give, a, you know, especially narcissistic abusers can give a lot of verbiage or even go to counseling and actually become more articulate in the language of the heart without actually suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes them even more dangerous. Mm. And so I really look for blood. I really look for how much are you actually willing to suffer um, for the sake of being a, a good and safe man. Wow. Um, and, and that's really the litmus test of change. And it's not doing it for your sake. It's not trying to save the marriage. It's, it's literally just, I want to be a better man. Um, mm. And I'm going to do whatever that takes. And I hope you can stick around. And yet I might have done too much damage um, to you already. And if you need to go, I, like, I bless that. Um, and that is the beginning of, of real healing. But it, it, it does take a lot of hard work. Being willing to change because it is the right thing and being willing to change because you desire to be that good man, regardless, right. regardless of whether the wife says, okay, I'm going to give you one more shot. Oh, yeah. uh, regardless of whether the kids say, I'm going to give you another shot. Yeah. 
Um, tell us a little bit about your childhood. You were you were raised in like a church culture, correct? Yeah, very strict uh, evangelical mm. culture. Um, so my father was a pastor, um, vice president of a really conservative Christian college. And then he began, um, you know, his own demons began to catch up with him. And so um, he got exposed for having affairs um, and ended up, yeah, I mean, a huge, big story ended up getting caught, blackmailing, you know, all this stuff. And so that was early on. So I have no idea about the larger story around me, but it begins to crumble my parents' marriage at, at the age of eight. Wow. And so being, being, you know, my mother not having any resources, no, just basically her only goal was to be a good Christian, Christian mom and um, make James Dobson happy. Oh, wow. um, she had no, she had no, um, you know, no, no resources on what to do. So she stuck around, you know, for about a year as my father tried to get help and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But it's yeah, nothing, nothing was changing. And so eventually um, we fled my mom and three kids to uh, North Carolina from Florida, mm. uh, where we began to, you know, my mom tried to raise us on her own and she just, you know, became numb and still tried to become, you know, go to church every Sunday. And yet, um, you know, there wasn't much there. It was, it was uh, emotionless. We did. I didn't even know why we left my father. Nobody said anything. Um, we just went on vacation and never went back. Oh goodness. So what age were you when you started putting pieces of the puzzle together and did, did someone uh -huh. actually tell you or did you have to kind of figure this out on your own? Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't until I was in college, wow. um, that I went back to my father's house and actually I was looking for pornography, um, in his closet. I was like, Oh, he's probably he's got something. And, mm -hmm. um, this was in my active addiction and I found some gay porn and then asked my older brother if our father was gay. And, and that was kind of the beginning of me realizing um, that he had been having affairs with men and um, cheating on my mom for their 25 years of marriage. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of when I began to try to make sense of it. So I, I just didn't have a clue. And so what that sent me was this kind of journey of like, who am I? Mm -hmm. Who who am, what am I? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what what is my attraction? I think even subconsciously me beginning to act out more and more on women was almost a sense to prove that I wasn't like my dad or because mm -hmm. in the strict evangelical culture, you know, the biggest sin was being gay. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it was just like, that was my early, that was, that was my origin story. So it was, it's a wild story. Um, and until I basically lost it all at the beginning of college and really, um, you know, ended up in the psych ward, um, it was really, that was the beginning of putting back the pieces some 20 years ago. Yeah. You, you question reality, you question like yeah. this, your formation was so contrary to reality. And Correct. I was also raised in extremely, extremely strict. Everything will send you straight to hell. And there were two mm -hmm. really big sins, which at the time we thought, probably divorce and homosexuality and all other sins were overlooked and, mm -hmm. you know, and so, well, this wasn't on my plan, but I do have a question for you. So yeah. because we have women who would be like your mom listening, what, what is your advice to women who are walking through this and have the knowledge of what their husbands have done? And then they have kids. Of course, I know it's age appropriate is really important, but 
even when they're young adults, like at what point, like yes. when do you have these conversations? And that's a question I get a lot yes. from women. So I, I, I truly believe we need to have these conversations right away. Mm. Um, and I wrote a children's book on it, uh, wow. on, on, on addiction because of my own story of nobody telling me what to do. And so it's just a book about how to talk to our kids about addiction mm. of, of, of our parents. But um, the idea, the whole essence of the book is, you know, a boy is playing with a bubble. He gets sucked up in the bubble and he floats away. He has a blast. Storm comes. He's so lonely, hates his life, trying to find his way home eventually find his way home pop so the idea is that the addiction is the bubble right and and so you know your your father has uh, uh, you know he's sucked away in a bubble um, and he is trying to find his way home and he's lost and and all we can do is is be here and you know uh, you know it's that type of language so so it's it's always talking and again it is obviously age appropriate and it's you know, but we have to give language because if we don't give language, they're going to find things that that help their hearts soothe. And I found pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's got to be language to help their emotional world make sense of their exterior world. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about the self-soothing, the self-medicating, different forms, porn, um, substance abuse. Um mm-hmm what drives us to that what happens like inside the brain if you can explain just kind of the the science and psychology behind that and why it helps us to kind of escape and why that's not a good long-term solution yeah Yeah, it's definitely the the dopamine hit right so it gives you that rush and gives you that rush of excitement and it really the fantasy piece i find that it's much easier in a sense to stop looking at naked women on the internet than to begin to change the pornographic mindset mm-hmm. that is there years and years after the porn is gone, you know, and then the pornographic mindset leads to the pornographic style of relating, um, which is how we can relate to the world pornographically. Um, but, but yeah, that, that hit gives us that fantasy and it gives us that escape from reality. And, and it's just wild how, in a sense, effective it is. Right. So, so you're feeling stressed. So you're feeling, you know, anxious, you're feeling fear, any type of difficult emotion. If you're not learning at a young age, how to deal with these emotions, then you look for a quick fix, right? You look for a quick out and then you have no practice in dealing with difficult emotion. So then the man that I'm dealing with on a daily basis um, is we're basically relearning how to reparent how to begin to feel difficult emotion without just wanting to be cowards and hit the escape button. Reparent yourself. Is that what you're saying? Correct. So what mm-hmm. does that look like? Yeah. Well, it's, it's you know, I, I like to imagine the little boy inside of me mm-hmm. who was an orphan, you know, who I, I always envision myself when we had left my father. I, I remember this, we rented this farm house and it was just in the middle of nowhere and I remember kicking rocks down an old dirt road by myself at eight. Mm. And I had found a friend down the street. His name was Ryan. And he was a five-year-old boy. And I was eight. And I remember how he was my only friend. And I remember the feeling of shame that my only friend was this little boy. And I was so old. I was eight. <laughs> um, and I just remember that big, strong feeling of shame. And that's like, that's just so heartbreaking. So can I have compassion on that little boy? Mm. Or do I, do I begin to have contempt Mm. that, that, you know, five years later, that little boy begins to find pornography and objectify women 
and do I become to hate that boy mm. or can I radically love him um, like Christ does and give him unconditional love and that unconditional love gives him the ability to transform. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That little, that little boy that was just looking for safety, that little boy that was looking for yes. understanding and yeah. I find that, you know, with a lot of, a lot of these situations with mamas who are experiencing, especially DV by proxy, that their, their kids, if there is adultery involved in the, in the past, their kids will acknowledge that as being bad, but they do not necessarily understand all the other patterns and systems of abuse. You and I have a dear friend, Sarah McDougall, and Mm -hmm. I am grateful to her for creating that. 13 patterns and systems of abuse lists, which I use mm-hmm. extensively in just helping to open eyes. Um, so why don't we just talk a little bit about that? It's not, it's not just adultery. It's not just pornography. There are so mm-hmm. many ways that, that abuse is manifested and yes. how do we shift? Um, because I think my concern is for these kids that, you know, are with, you know, the, the children of the mamas that I work with is that if they excuse those behaviors in their father, mm-hmm. then they'll excuse it in themselves. So right. we have this blaring obvious, yeah, dad shouldn't have had an, an affair and, and cheated on mom. But what about the way he spoke to her? What about the way he, you know, used his physical frame to intimidate her? What about mm-hmm. uh, the ways he financially abused and deceived? So where does a shift like that come? Is that just a, uh, um, a frontal lobe thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, and I talk about it in my, in my book, but we need to begin to widen the definitions, right? Because, you know, all abusers are not created equal. That's correct. Um, we, we like, in a sense, so many men will shut down when they say you're an abuser mm-hmm. and, you know, images of, you know, punching and, black you eyes. know, physical yeah. and yeah, black yeah. eye, like that's the image. Like, and they're like, I'm not that. I'm, right. All I do is call you a, you yeah. know, bleep, call bleep, you bleep. violent, violent yeah. names yeah. <laughs> or something. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Like, right. Th- there is a spectrum. Yes. Um, and I actually think, you know, the verbal emotional abuse is, is in many ways worse than physical abuse. And, and yet they're, they're, they're all terrible financial, you know, coercive control, all this stuff. So we, we just, Uh oh, did I lose you? Okay, okay we're back. To, can you hear me? Okay, you're back. We yeah, I forget where we were. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, we need you know the the spectrum of abuse like is one thing that that I created in the book and basically realizing many on the other side of the spectrum the dangerous the dangerous men that I've encountered over the past decade of this work. I call them the narcissistic cowards and they're normally not going to change. Mm. Um, they, they fundamentally hate women um, and their deep misogyny has not been addressed. Um, and they're so full of themselves that, that they're, they're quite dangerous men. Um, mm-hmm. There's not much hope. And yet the normal Christian man that comes into my office is not that um, he is normally an unaware fool. Mm-hmm. Um, and his unaware foolishness does harm and it does abuse. Um, he is on the spectrum, um, yet he is capable of change. Um, he doesn't fundamentally hate women, though he has been grown up in a theology that is patriarchal, 
mm-hmm. um, that that has undertones of misogyny in it. Um, that doesn't he doesn't understand um, some of his unconscious sexism. Right. Um, you know, th- those are things that that we can work on, but we can at least work. And and I think when we begin to view that, um, I think men can be more apt to to change because they're not this kind of like grotesque you know huge abusive man yeah Um, and yet they do need to still humble themselves to realize that what they've been doing is abusive um harmful and it needs to change now now yeah there is there is hope if we make the decision right here right now and Mm -hmm. we we are willing to put the work the hard hard work so you just made reference to um an assessment that is inside your book and i think i'm just going to read some of those Mm -hmm. questions because i think For anybody who's listening right now, this might be kind of an aha moment. So you talk about the spectrum and the two different um, categories. The Tell me again what they are. The Uh, the narcissistic coward and the unaware fool. Unaware fool. Okay. So you go through and people can rate themselves um, with not like me, somewhat like me, neutral like me, or very much like me. And at the end, they're scoring. So I'm just going to hit some of these questions. I'm not going to hit all of them, but just some. One of the things you, um, you're supposed to assess, I feel insecure about my partner's love for me. I often demand things from my partner rather than invite my partner. My partner would say that I'm often jealous. I often feel alone inside my own head. So you're, as I'm reading these, I'm like, well, mm-hmm. some of these things don't sound like abusers, but they can really make us mm-hmm. do abusive right. things. Yeah. I feel young inside. Sect is often about me and my needs rather than my partner's needs. That could really mm-hmm. be revealing. Uh, my partner says, I w- would say I place v- many unrealistic expe- expectations on her. Um, I can often be short and aggressive rather than patient and kind. So you go through, I think it's like 26 questions and at the end you give yourself, no, more than that. It's 29, 30, 30 questions. And at the end you give yourself a score. So the zero to 30 guys are good job. Like read this book and help your buddies out. (laughs) Like grab some dudes that are not in the zero to 30 category and mentor them and help them. And then you have the, if they score between 31 and 60, then we're talking about the abuse spectrum. And those are the guys that you, you probably work with and you see results. And then you hit the 61, 120. So the name of your book is how not to be an ass. Essays on becoming a good and safe man. And it's funny because I was 42 years old before I learned to cuss. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> and so it's even weird for me to say the word ass, even though it, you know, it's not really that bad of a word, but it cracks me up because you just yeah. went ahead and said it because sometimes there's not another word yeah. that's strong. Sometimes that's language. Language <laughs> is, is the most potent. Right? Exactly. And I'm learning yeah. too, that as we heal, we have to be willing to say some of those things that we've been right. taught and repressed for so long. So if you score in the 61 to 120 category, it's pretty clear that you are an ass. I hope you are not surprised by this, not to fear there is hope, but the hope will be found in your crucifixion and there is much work to be done. So I just take a deep breath right now for anybody who may be listening, who is still um, tethered to (laughs) um, an ass, but this, this conversation is kind of two way because I'm really hoping that some guys are going to hear it too. And I, 
love, love young people. I've done um, a lot of mentoring of young people. They were middle school and high school when they came into my life and now they're college aid. And um, a lot of us are just sitting around having the hard conversations about religion and toxic, you know, the stuff that we were just so, so soaked in and seeped in. And now we're like, that's not God. That's not Jesus. And so we love Jesus and we're clinging to him, but we are so done with toxic religion. Yeah. And so um, let's just talk about this book and it is an incredible, it's an incredible book. So I want to say out of the gate, I am grateful that it's double spaced (laughs) for those of us who are recovering with trauma brain. That is so helpful. So I just gave you a high five for making this book so readable Thank you. And the double spacing is so good for my brain because I feel like I can breathe when I have a book like this. And also, you know, like if you were to make it single spaced, it would have only been like around a hundred pages. Right. Yeah. So it's a short, short, short short read. And and yet that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, Your target audience is people who are recovering from trauma and reading a wordy, difficult book is just not going to happen. So I can tell people I read this book in about three hours. Right. And that gives gives it like all the thumbs up where I'm coming from, because yeah. a lot of books I stop 100 pages and I never even finish. <laughs> right. So you got me in the first 100 pages because it's a double space. So um, just tell me a little bit about um, I'm trying to get to the table of contents here. Just tell us a bit about. Well, first of all, the dedication. So this really touched my heart to my wife and my mother who have put up with my cowardly behavior and had enough guts and love to tell me no more that is powerful. Mm, yeah. God bless them. God bless yes, them. Yes. And I, you know, I work with the wives and the mothers and that's just so encouraging to see somebody coming out willing to do the hard work. So yeah. um, you say in your intro, there is hope. There is hope for an ass. So why, why is there hope? Yeah. I mean, I, I believe because, because I'm, I'm a Christian, you know, it's like, even though I work with some really dark things and really dark abuse, I mean, I have seven, seven men flying in this weekend to do this hard work, you know? And it's like, I I see this just all the time. These men are willing to suffer and become different men and and weep and weep. And, you know, it's actually not much about their partners. It's more right at this moment. It becomes about their partners later in the journey. But this earlier part is really just dealing with their core wounds that they have sexualized, that they've eroticized, that they've, you know, that they have harmed. But I think because I'm on the front lines and uh, doing really deep uh, kind of soul soul work, uh, really deep shadow shadow work, it's I, I, I see the change every day. Mm. Oh, you see it. You see it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's encouraging. On page 19, you have a, a graphic here with a good and safe man versus the, the ass. And so the good and safe seeks to serve and the opposite is seeks to be served. Yes. The good and safe is reflective and the opposite is reactive. The good and safe is humble. The opposite, arrogant. The good and safe is centered and secure. The opposite, insecure and unaware. That's really important. Mm-hmm. The good and safe seeks mutuality and equality while the ass is seeking power and control. The good and mm-hmm. safe man seeks to know and be known while the ass isolates and is alone. Yeah. So, wow, that's just a really, um, 
just powerful, powerful graphic there. Mm -hmm. So um, something else that's very, very important to me and I am very passionate about is speaking against spiritual abuse. So you have a whole chapter devoted to if I were an abuser, what church would I attend? And I believe that was an essay written by. Yes, a colleague of mine, Dr. Nancy Murphy. Mm -hmm. That was powerful. And um, you just let her, through her essay, um, the types of characteristics that you're looking for. You're looking for a church that believes in male headship. You're looking for a church that um, senses suggestive sexual behavior was acceptable. Just talking about, oh, this just gives me the shivers. (laughs) Uh, A pastor that would stand on a pulpit and say, you ladies are looking good today. Good, Good thing I'm a happily married man and not easily tempted. And you and I know that that's mild. Right. compared to some of the stuff that comes from a platform. So mm-hmm. um, if you're seeing that kind of um, just, yeah, sexually yeah. behavior. And, it, and it's cloaked in joking, right? right. It's, cloaked, it's cloaked in that it was just a joke. Or, or you have the other extreme, right? Where it's, where it's hyper, yes. you know, hyper controlling, hyper, we have to wear, mm-hmm. you know, long cut, you know, this, this met, we're going to measure your dress right. when you walk in, like, when it's it's either extreme is right. so dangerous. Absolutely, absolutely. You need we need to start questioning, not mm-hmm. what is a young girl wearing, but why is a fifty some, sixty some year old man, <laughs> mm-hmm. and bothered by and drawing attention to that. That's that's where our focus needs to be. Exactly. Um, and why why is that acceptable? Uh, an abuser would look for a church with with rigid rules about gender and mm-hmm. a pastor who is naive and or a pastor who is an abuser himself. Of course, that's mm-hmm. very common. A church with yelling that that made a lot of sense because that's a form of desensitizing. So mm-hmm. if the pastor is a yeller, then if dad yells at home, it's not really all that scary. A church. This one really got me a church with an altar call for prayer. So is that because it is just this big um like um, confession with no accountability. And is that why the altar call is dangerous? Yeah, it can, it can appear as I'm dealing with my stuff. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. So if I, if I have a, a raging porn addiction, mm-hmm. right? yeah. and I come up to the front and I say, uh-huh. I am struggling with lust. Yep. Oh, let me pray for you. All men struggle with lust. It's okay. Yeah. Like, that- we do in our work is no give me the details right the the graphic details of what you typed in what did you see you know tell me the contours of her body like no, you don't want to actually go and actually name the truth of what you're doing because then you have to feel it right gotcha right then you have to have actually realize that you're perpetuating violence against women and perpetuating abuse so i'm just going to say i struggle with lust just a vague, yeah, generalization. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, too, so many things during altar calls that are being disclosed are probably criminal. And then you've got the right. whole, like, uh, mandatory reporter thing that people are not trained and do not know. <laughs> right. So that's just dangerous. So, so I, I'm rethinking so many things, Andrew. Oh, my heavens. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's so many things I've been involved in that you know, ministry related through the years. And I'm like, trauma, 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 more trauma, more trauma. And we just almost invited these people to be re-victimized and re-traumatized. And totally. didn't and it's have just, a clue we were doing it. Didn't have right. a clue. And it's just naive, yes. you know? And so how do we begin to take this naivety away? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and create church that 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 is makes it safe mm-hmm. safe for say you know the hospital that that it needs to be mm-hmm. absolutely you go on in this essay she goes on to talk about um a church that abusers would be kind of drawn to a church that teaches about turning the other cheek, submission the sanctity of marriage of course a church that cares about appearances, uh, a Bible-believing church that reads right from Scripture and preaches the Word. And why is that so dangerous? Yeah, I think it's because you can just so quickly take things out of context, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And just so quickly proof text certain texts to make it say what you wanted to say and to prove your own point. Cherry so, Yep. Yeah. So women should be silent. See, yeah. <laughs> there it is. See? Rather <laughs> than some dude translated yes. that you're, you're whatever, whatever. Didn't go back to the original context, the original language. Right. The original Ra- culture. Rather than realizing what was actually happening in that context, which was women were given so much freedom and power for the first time in such a patriarchal society that there was a couple women in the church that were so pumped up and excited. They were talking too much. Mm -hmm. Um, They probably had so many questions. And so he's like, go home, talk to your husbands. Like we can't just keep interrupting us, but it's because they had so much mutuality and equality. So not the way I was taught. (laughs) Right. They had so much freedom. That is not the way that scripture was taught to me. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So it's a couple, a couple, you know, a couple women that were, that were loud because they were so pumped up. And yet now it somehow means all women for right. all time, all eternity have to be silent. Don't yeah. Preach. You know, yeah. it's just like, oh my gosh. That's not what it meant. An abuser would choose a church that doesn't have counselors, yeah, or has really horribly not trained, quote unquote, biblical counselors. We will yes. not <laughs> we will not go there. We both know how we feel about that. Yes. A church that leans towards cheap forgiveness is genuine repentance. And my favorite resource of repentance is from Psalm 82 um, initiative. They have that letter of repentance mm-hmm. and like seven steps. Yes. And so we're talking about time over time over time and doesn't always equal reconciliation it takes all the weight off of the victim doesn't pressure her says that if you never take me back i'm still gonna do this hard work earlier um you would look for an abuser would look for a church that doesn't hold violence accountable but likes to sweep sin under the rug probably a lot of sin leveling yeah but for the grace of god go i <laughs> a church that does not promote counseling, but understands that private matters should be handled quietly and within church. So you just, mm-hmm. yeah, this goes on just an yeah. incredible, incredible list to help um, just make people aware of what the abuser, right. where they're going to feel safe, where they're going to feel tucked away and protected. Correct. Um, and then let's just talk about in part two, the solution. Your book is divided into part one, exposing the problem, and part two, the solution, which I love. So we get to the chapter about a good and safe man. So what does that man look like? Yeah, yeah. That man, I mean, that list we talked about earlier is basically encompasses that, you know, and, and he is, he's been humbled because he knows suffering. Um, he knows, he knows what it's like to be reflective rather than reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he knows what it's like to really, he knows his, here's another way to say it. He knows his depravity and he knows his glory and he knows his goodness. He knows he's an image bearers of God. Um, so he's never too, um, you know, full of self-contempt and yet he also knows his depravity. So he's never too prideful. Mm. Um, and he can he can bear both because you've you've heard some of that when they 
men just turn on themselves. Oh, okay. I'm a piece of crap. I'm, I'm terrible. I'm the, and that doesn't make the person feel better. That's actually just another form of manipulation. That's right. Right. Cause now I have to take care of you because you're beating yourself up so much. That's right. It, you know, and it's like, wait a minute. No, that's not humility. Humility is not about self-hatred. Um, it, it's truly that it humbles you. Um, and yeah, you no longer have all the answers. You're, you're seeking out mutuality and equality in every area of life. Um, you're looking for ways um, to affirm your partner, to, to name the invisible work that they do, to name the invisible uh, feeling of what it's like to grow up in a patriarchal society mm. um, that devalues them and affirms the male voice. Yeah, you say here on page 20, you give some of the characteristics of a good and safe man. So self-aware, um, aware of safety, um, knows the difference between anger and aggression. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, God's word says, you know, in your anger, sin not. So anger itself is not mm-hmm. the sin. And it's what we do with that anger. So self-controlled exactly. and, and being centered, doesn't fly off the handle in rage. Mm-hmm. Then you talk about uh, aware of how he impacts others. And that that just is so important to get to that place where it's not just about me, mm-hmm. but I'm looking around and I can see when my wife or my child's face like changes and I can see the impact yes. that I've had on her. And I want to change that. I want to make so often when we're talking about narcissism and abuse, a lot of these women are like, but I've done X, Y, Z, so I must be an abuser. No, 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 no. We all mess up. We all are capable mm-hmm. of hurting someone else. But a person who is not an abuser, who does not want power and control over somebody, looks and sees the damage done and wants to fix it. Correct. Does not want to continue to harm that person. That's the difference. Correct. Not saying that any of us are completely perfect and not going to hurt each other. We all do fail but the person who is not an abuser and is not motivated by power and control wants to do better a a true act of repentance you talk about um aware of how he impacts others you can see the emotional um present he's more emotionally present while remaining kind in the midst of conflict and high tension and then kindness both to self there you say you just said it self and to others not having that self-loathing right and then the last category of good and safe is security. The, the good and safe man is secure in himself. He is consistent mm-hmm. and not easily threatened or jealous. He knows who he is. He knows why he is here. This is from mm-hmm. page 122. He has purpose and meaning outside of his relationship with his partner. And he knows his calling and where he is going. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. So, so that's so- security, right? I think it's an epidemic mm-hmm. of, in- we have an epidemic of insecure men, mm-hmm. right? And so they're looking for women to affirm them, to tell them, you know, to maybe name them in a way they feel like their mother did not or mm-hmm. father did not or something where they're looking for affirmation um, from women or from, from beauty, from, from ways um, that even porn in a sense answered those questions for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yet they're left with a void. And so healthy, secure men um, know who they are. They know why they are, right? They know what, what they're doing here. Um, and they want to share that with a partner who's, who's equal and has her own purpose and mission. Yeah. 
Yeah. So let's just spend a couple minutes and talk to that man, that man who sees, he sees, you know what, there's some trouble here. And Mm -hmm. I've got some things from my childhood, the unaware fool. Um, I've got some things from my childhood that I don't feel like dealing with. So I'm just going to stuff it and I'm going to, you know, use these different forms of checking out, be it porn or substance abuse or, you know, throwing myself into my work. But then one day I wake up and I realize my relationships are falling apart. Um, I'm about to, you know, to lose the things that are most, most dear to my heart. What would you say to that guy? Yes. Stop. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like You can't waste any time. Mm. Um, you, you don't like, you can't just keep taking taking advantage um and that position of entitlement because you will lose it all i mean i say this phrase often do you know if your wife was was healthier she would be long gone by now wow (laughs) you know i say that phrase all the time Um, because there's just so many men that are having rocky relationships and i'm just like dude like and and part of them in a sense wants to keep their wife not healthy so they don't leave them Mm. um but it's like, no, it's time for you to do the work. It's time for you to take full responsibility for this behavior and change that behavior and become a different man. There's good resources starting to come out. You know, there's, 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 cause there's so much bad resources. Geez. Oh yes. Um, so, you know, there's starting to be some good resources out there. So there's books to read, there's work to be done. Come join one of my men's groups. Um, like there's, there's work to be done. Um, you know, meeting with a, a counselor regularly who understands some of this stuff. Um, that's the work. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you guys offer. Cause you are not currently doing, um, accepting more one-on-one clients. So what types of things do you yeah. and your ministry offer? Yeah. So we, we do all sorts of stuff. We have a, Christy and I are, you know, kind of back and back and down some just cause we were getting a little, got a little uh, out of whack there working seven days a week. Sure. Sure. So um, we've got, we've built up a team of our affiliates and these are folks that have trained with me or um, trained in the same places as me. And so we, we refer a lot of people to our affiliate program. And so they're working one-on-one with people weekly. Um, and then we do, Christy and I do uh, three phone session packages. So we do, you know, we have phone conversations with some folks, but then we do a lot of group work and a lot of couples work. And so Christy and I will work with, with couples as long as they're in a certain place of healing um, that we, we do really, you know, intensive, intensive work. And then, yeah, we have groups pretty much running all year round. Um, Men who they can do an abuse track or sexual recovery track. Um, and we have, yeah, lots of, lots of men wanting to be a part of that. So would they go to the, um, christianbc.org? Is that where they would yep. find all that? Okay. So www.christiancc.org. And then you also Correct. have your website, www.andrewjbauman.com. Yeah. Yeah. That's mostly where I do most of my blogging and whatnot at. Yeah. And you are on Facebook, you're on Insta. Mm-hmm. Are you a, a tweeter? No, not really. I, I have never been to that. <laughs> I have an account, but I don't really check it. Back in the days when it first started, it felt honestly like I was just talking to myself. Like I would just, <laughs> there wasn't like a whole lot of interaction. And now I think it's become a pretty toxic, you know, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty loud and aggressive platform. So I'm glad I never even bothered to get into that. But <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, yep. your books, 
Um, this book, I would say, honestly, every, every guy needs to read this book. So even if you fall into that category of already being a good and safe man, it will be a great resource to yeah. help you walk with others. But I Definitely. highly, I think highly women, I think women who know that world, you know, it, it almost in a sense helps them understand and, and language. Yes. This is what I want. This is what I'm seeking. Very, very I'm validating. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to have these boundaries and, and just increase my language and how to ask for what I need. Yeah. And if someone just gives you this book, don't be insulted. It's because they believe you're capable of not being an ass. There you go. <laughs> because exactly. I read it right before Valentine's Day and I told a couple of my gals, I was like, you should get this for your dude for Valentine's Day. And they're like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, you should. <laughs> <laughs> it's you a good go. Valentine's Day gift. So yeah, this is, like you said, there are becoming more and more resources that are good. Like we are compiling mm -hmm. my group with women. We're compiling the bad list mm -hmm. and my is to give these ladies a list and if they have a church that's willing to sit down and and reason say would you be willing to let me tell you why these books are toxic and can mm -hmm. we go through our church library and get rid of these books and then these are the ones we would like you to replace them with yes. Yes. <laughs> so exactly. i'm kind of on this campaign to like call um christian authors bloggers podcasters influence and all spiritual leaders to this higher accountability that when you are discussing relationships and marriage and sex and divorce, you must, must include a disclaimer about abuse, yes. about consent, about respect and mutuality. Like it is time to know better and do better. We can no longer stick our head in the sand and say, but I was just writing for healthy people because most people yep. are not in healthy relationships. Exactly. We cannot people who are, Yes. People who are longing for more marriage material are desperate you yeah, know, it's not somebody answer. that's in a healthy relationship that's typically looking for relationship advice. So that excuse right. is just completely mute. And so, right. yeah, I, I am dreaming of a day when there is higher accountability, especially within the quote unquote yeah. Christian realm that we have got to do better here. So, well, exactly. thank you so much for this time. I, I do have hope as I read this book and I have hope as I hear your story, as I've watched your journey. Um, grateful, just... I know it has to be exhausting while also exhilarating to do what you do. Mm. And um, when there is a good guy out there, I want, I want to tell the world about him. Mm. Well, I am not, I am not a man hater. <laughs> I'm not a church hater, but I do hate abuse. And Amen. if a man is doing that or a church is doing that, then that's what I'm not happy about. So for the good guys and the safe guys, we high five you. We say, keep doing it. Keep be humble, stay humble and grab another guy and help him become safe and good. Yes. Amen. Amen. All right. Blessings to you. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. As always, we remind you that this is not to take the place of licensed counseling, but if you do need suggestions for someone to talk to, please reach out and I will help you find someone who is trauma-informed and abuse-informed. And I just pray today that you will feel held even as you are being healed. Blessings.